hello, Hope Church. All right, so let me be hopefully the first bearded person wearing a microphone to say Happy Mother's Day. Um, I think my odds are decently in that favor. But hey, I, so it, it is Mother's Day, and and as such, I know Mother's Day just brings one of those uh, interesting things, right? Because for we we take this idea of what motherhood is supposed to be, and and try to wrap it all up into celebrating it all in one day, right, or one weekend, and, and to try to accomplish in one weekend what we can't really do, right, and, and truly appreciating mothers, and, and also recognizing that Mother's Day also just brings in all of the, the challenges that, that motherhood and, and mother, that's a relationship, right, and as we know, relationships are messy, uh, and they're not always good, and so for some people, there's, we're, we're coming into Mother's Day weekend hoping that maybe nobody says anything about it because our relationships aren't good. I'm right? Or maybe there's people who, uh, maybe this is the first Mother's Day where, where you've lost your mother. It's the first Mother's Day without her. Right? Or, or maybe, it's, uh, maybe there's people here who are just uh, want to be a mother so bad and are struggling with that. And so we, we recognize that it's all... It's a mess, right? It's not always perfect and happy as we want it to be. And yet, uh, the wonderful news and one of the things that we celebrate together is we know that God meets us in the midst of all of those messes, those messy relationships, and he loves us. And he fills in all of those holes. And so I just want to just take a moment uh, as, we, as we start, as before we dive into God's Word, just to pray uh, and, and to thank God for those relationships and for those mothers who have loved us. And, uh, and maybe it's an opportunity to, to pray for our mothers and those relationships that are, that are broken. Uh, but just to acknowledge the fact that God is in the midst of all of those relationships and he is working to heal and restore. And, uh, and so just uh, I want to, to do that this morning. So we, or would you just pray with me? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so very much for how you love us. God, we thank you that, that for a lot of us, we can uh, maybe catch a glimpse of that love because of mothers. And so, God, we thank you for uh, our mothers. We thank you for uh, the women who have loved us and who have sacrificed for us. And, God, we thank you for uh, all of the mothers here. God, we just pray that whatever uh, this, this holiday uh, brings, whatever emotions that brings, whether it is uh, sorrow or whether it's, uh, it's joy or whether it's just a burden, God, we just pray that you, uh, that you would just show each and every mother here how much they are loved by you. God, I just pray, uh, I'll pray for our time together. God, we thank you that you love us. And that you come down into our messes and into our relationships. And God, we just pray uh, for your glory to be seen here, Father. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so we are, we're in the, in the, the very beginning of, of this series going through the Gospel of Mark. And as we continue going through this, uh, we come to our, the passage we're looking at today, which is where Jesus calls his first disciples. Right, we, we saw last week uh, Jesus' baptism and then went out into the wilderness. Now he, he starts to gather his disciples. And so as we read this uh, passage, we'd love for you to, to turn with me to Mark chapter 1, 
starting in verse 14, and that's on page 812 of your chair Bible. And we just have uh, six verses tonight. Let's read this together. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So you could just sum those those quick six verses. You could just sum it up. Jesus saw them. He said, "Come," and they followed. And he saw some more guys. He said, "Come," and they followed. And there, there's the passage for tonight. But before we go any further, uh, we need to clear up the obvious question here. Right? The, the thing that just kind of covers this this whole passage is. This, what is a disciple? And I think we need to, to clarify this because uh, a disciple has is, is become a really churchy word. Right? It's a, it's a word that we don't really use that much outside of the church. And, and even though we're all familiar with it and Jesus had disciples and we talk about disciples, it's one of those words that we're familiar with, but, but do we really understand what it means? Right? So when G- we say Jesus had a disciple, what, what, what are we saying? Right? Are we saying that, that these were students? Well, partly. Right? Were these just followers, people who went where he went? That, that's part of it as well. Were these apprentices? That's part of it. Right? The word disciples defines a person who becomes a student of or participant in the teachings of another. Now, these four men who Jesus called in this passage were then joined by eight other men who Jesus selected, and they spent three years with Jesus. Now, and as you read through the rest of the Gospel of Mark or, or any of the other Gospels, you see that the, the, they were with him. They listened to him teach. They asked questions of him. They ate with him. They walked with him. They were with him. For almost three straight years, they were probably with him almost the entire time. Watching him interact. Following. Learning. Listening. Jesus became their Lord. They learned. They obeyed. They imitated Jesus. Now, Jesus is Lord, that we, we acknowledge Jesus is Lord because for us it's another one of those, those churchy words. It doesn't necessarily have a clear meaning to us. Yes, Jesus is Lord. Yes, I've got it. He's my Lord. I'll, I'll accept that. I'll, I agree with that. But, but when we dig in a little bit, what does it really mean that He's Lord? It means that Jesus is our master. And the idea of a master is a little bit harder of a word to swallow. Because a master means we obey, we submit, and we do what he says. 
You know, I'm talking about discipleship. One of my favorite phrases uh, to try to help define discipleship is this. I don't know the question yet, but my answer is whatever he says it is. Think about that for a minute, right? I don't know what the question is. I don't know what you're going to ask me, but my answer is whatever Jesus says it is. Hey, that's a bold statement. Hey, that's a hard statement to make, right? And that, that, that idea of, of a master, of a disciple following somebody, that kind of flies in the face of, of the culture we live in, right? Because as a, as a culture, we don't, we don't fully submit to anybody, Right? Think about it, just in our culture, how we don't, we don't fully listen to anybody. We don't, you know, we, we always have the exceptions, or we always have the little clauses that we want to think, you know, whether they're written down or not, of, of how we're actually going to obey or, or what parts we're going to obey. Right? I mean, just think about uh, coaches, right? My coach is in charge as long as I agree with his ideas, but as soon as I don't necessarily like that, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. All right, teachers, I'll submit to my teachers most of the time, right, as long as what they're saying doesn't encroach too much on me, right? Even laws, right? Speeding is a law that applies most of the time, right? right it's like we, we have all these exceptions. We don't like to submit fully to anybody or anything because we, we have this independent spirit in us, right? That, and if we really want to boil it down, there's this sinful nature that we don't want to submit, and so this idea of discipleship being, I don't know the question, I don't know what you're asking, but I can tell you the answer. It's whatever Jesus said it is. That's what a disciple is. Somebody who follows and imitates Jesus and does things Jesus' way. In Matthew 16, verses 24, Jesus said this to his disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Right, discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus, there's a weight to it. And so it's not just, yeah, I'm going to follow you, and as long as things are good, I'm all right with that. And we see in the Gospels there's times where some of the people who were disciples and following Jesus left because it got too hard or, or it wasn't exactly what they thought it was. So if that's discipleship and Jesus had disciples, what, what does this really have to do with us, right? What, what does this have to do with me? And the simple answer is this, is we are called to follow Jesus. We are called to be disciples. Right? Being a disciple of Jesus wasn't just limited uh, to those 12 guys that we see in old paintings. Right? It wasn't just limited to the people listed in the Bible. Now, it, it, the very end of Matthew, Jesus' last command to his disciples, the last thing he told them before he ascended into heaven was this. He said, go and make more disciples. Right? And, and you and I, following Jesus, we're a byproduct of those people's obedience. Making disciples, people continue to follow after Jesus, to imitate him. We're all called to follow him. In John 12, 26, Jesus said, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. This was Jesus' whole mission. 
Right? He came to earth to save the lost, to bring people to himself, to, to make disciples. And that's true today, that we continue to follow after Jesus, to be disciples. Now, because we are who we are, we need to be constantly reminded of this next thing. And it's this, that Jesus didn't save us, Jesus didn't call us to be his disciples because of what we know, who we know, <laughs> what we have to offer, what we've accomplished. Right? Jesus didn't pick us because of, of who we are. He didn't look down and be like, oh, th th these ones here, these ones are doing really good. I want them to be my disciples. These ones, these ones have a lot to offer. They're, they're with me. It had nothing to do with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, Paul, as he's writing to the church, he, he, he tells them this, he reminds them this, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Think of what you were when, when Jesus called you. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We weren't called to be disciples of Jesus because we have it all together. We weren't called to be disciples of Jesus because we had a lot to offer. We were called because he loves us. And these first disciples, these, these first disciples, these four men we see in, in Mark chapter 1, these, they, were, they were fishermen. Right? These weren't scholars. These weren't uh, successful men. They, these were guys who, who probably weren't well-educated. And we're working hard in the family business, scraping out a living, fishing, doing hard, menial work. And Jesus called them. They weren't high society. They didn't have a lot of clout or influence. But Jesus called them. And like them, Jesus is calling us. He invites us to follow him. And he knows everything about us, all of our baggage, all of our faults, everything, and he calls us to follow him. And so we're called to be disciples. And we'll talk a lot about this as we continue through the gospel morning. We'll see lots of stories about the disciples and what it means to follow Jesus. But as we start, and as we're looking at discipleship and the fact that we're called to follow him, I think we have to be careful because uh, traditionally in, in our culture, again, I think, I think there's two huge mistakes we often make when we talk about discipleship. 
And so I want to spend the rest of our time just looking at, at, at these two mistakes and these two and, and, and maybe use them as warnings of, of how we think about discipleship and how we uh, approach being followers of Jesus. And the first thing is, is this first warning is don't overcomplicate discipleship. Don't overcomplicate it. Discipleship is all about obedience. Again, Jesus called us to be his disciples not because of what we had to offer, right? Not because of what we've accomplished, but because he loves us and he chose us. So it's not about our wisdom or our skill or our talent. It's about obedience. And I think too often we try to make discipleship way too complicated. But it's simple. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, do what I say. If you love me, do what I say. In some ways, it's, it's this common sense, right? Parents, you, you can understand this, right? I've, I've said it a few times to my kids, right? If you really love me, then just obey. You say you love me, and then you hear me saying something, and you're deaf to it. Right? Or you say you love me and I tell you not to do something and you look at me and do it. Right? But that's what Jesus says. That's what he tells us. If you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I say. So discipleship, it starts with this act of obedience. And we see it here in Mark chapter 1. Jesus called and they dropped everything and followed him. They obeyed. He said, follow me. And they said, okay. And they did it. And it started right there with a simple act of obedience. And our discipleship of Jesus grows with every step of obedience. Because as we obey, our faith increases. And we're able to take the next step of obedience, whatever that is. Now, I want you to think about this. In, in this story, we see Andrew and Peter, James and John. And as Jesus invited them to follow him, they didn't think about the future, right? They, they probably didn't think through everything and plan it all out. They just responded to that first in, invitation with obedience. And I think one of the reasons that we struggle and, and overcomplicate discipleship is, is because we look at, we, we see these guys' whole story. Right? We see Andrew, one of the disciples, follows Jesus all the way to the end. He was part of the early church and, and was crucified for his faith. And we see James, right? James and John's the, the sons of thunder. They're, they're part of Jesus' inner circle. We see them repeatedly throughout the gospel. And then again, James is, is one of the first, he was the first of the disciples to be martyred for his faith. <clears throat> and then John, right, again, with part of Jesus' inner circle. And so he, he ex witnesses the transfiguration. He writes the gospel of John. And he writes 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He writes the book of Revelation. He, had this, he, he was one of the leaders in, in the church in Jerusalem, and he did so many things. And that doesn't even start to touch Peter, right? Peter, who's one of the leaders of the disciples and 
He walks on water. Right? He rebukes Jesus. He cuts off a guy's ear. He denies Christ. He preaches at Pentecost, and 3,000 people are added to the church. Right? Peter does so many things. All these guys, we see what happened in their life. And we come back to the story, and it, and it comes, it all starts with them obeying. In that moment on the boat, Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say where he was going. He didn't say what he was going to ask of them. He just said, follow, and they obeyed. And I think for us, we want to know where we're going. We want to know all the details. We want to know what God is going to ask of us. And sometimes we take issue with some of the things he's asking of us. But Jesus says, follow me. And <laughs> being a disciple is simply obedience. Now, the, the next uh, area where I think we make a huge mistake with being a disciple or a follower of Jesus is this. And the warning is don't sensationalize discipleship. Now, now, don't get me wrong. The, the, being a disciple of Jesus, this is a huge deal, right? God becomes man, asks us to follow him, surrender everything, make him Lord of our life, and, and promises us eternity with him in heaven. That's a big deal. That's, it might even be the definition of sensational, right? But I think the warning is, is don't over-sensationalize or don't try to make it more sensational than it already is. Because as Christians, we have a tendency to try to make this even more exciting by adding unnecessary mystery and extremes. All right, so first off, discipleship, it's following Jesus, it's all in. All right, we see these four men, they left everything, they dropped their nets. James and John left their dad in the boat, and they followed Jesus. And so we assume that, that to be like them, to be a top-notch, super disciple, we have, to, we have to do something radical to follow Jesus. Right, we gotta, we've got to sell everything. We've got to give all the money to orphans, uh, live in a box. Right? Or, or maybe we've got to move to some remote place in the world and become a missionary. We, we just assume that in order to, to really be a good disciple, we've got to do something crazy. But God, and, and, and God does call some people to do crazy things like that. But doing those crazy things, it, that's not what makes them super disciples or, or really good disciples. Because again, God is asking us for obedience. So how good are you at who, how good are you at obeying what He asks you to do? That's the measure of whether you're a good disciple or not, or a super disciple. Do you obey what He's asked you to do? And there's lots of stories. If you read through the Bible, there's tons of stories about people who faithfully obeyed God and did what he asked them to do. Many of them aren't named. Right? Many of them are just little blips in stories about people who are faithful and obey. 
Right? We make a big deal about the exciting stories because they're, they're exciting. Right? But God calls some of us to be teachers and bankers and nurses and custodians. Right? He calls us to be good parents, to be good neighbors, to be good friends. So again, the, the point is be an obedient disciple wherever God has placed you. The mark of a disciple is obedience. Sadly, that's not the only way we try to spice up this little six-verse encounter that we read in Mark. Uh, we also read this story, and it seems like the disciples just blindly follow some stranger. Right? They're, they're working in their boats, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes by, and, and so then we assume there's like that like angelic glow. He just got baptized, and so now he's there, and they see him, and they just follow. But that's, this wasn't out of the blue. These guys, they knew who Jesus was. Let me read the account from the Gospel of John. This is in John 1, verses 35 through 42. And this is, again, right after Jesus was baptized. And it says, The next day, John, John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. These guys had heard his teaching. Andrew had been a disciple of John the Baptist. He probably witnessed Jesus' baptism. And then he followed Jesus and heard him teach. And he brought his brother to see. They had spent some time with Jesus. So when Jesus comes walking up to them and says, Follow me, they knew who he was. And they followed. And James and John, probably, they, they probably knew Peter and Andrew and followed along as well. They, they knew who he was. You see, the point is that God makes himself known to us so that we can follow him. He's not, it's not just God, this voice, mysterious, saying, follow me and do it. He, he, he's shown us himself. Because it's all about relationship. We are invited to know and to follow Jesus. In John 10, 27 and 28, Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Disciples know and are known by Jesus. This is the wonder of the Bible, right? that God has revealed himself to us in Jesus in a way we can understand. We, we, we call it the incarnation, right? God in flesh, Jesus. 
At bedtime over the last week, I've been reading a book to my kids. It's, it's called Brushko, and it's the story of Bruce Olson, who's a missionary in Colombia to the Modalone Indians. And this is one of those crazy disciple stories, right? This is a guy who's from Minneapolis and moves to Colombia and wanders out into the jungle to meet this tribe that had no contact with the outside world. And he moves in with them. And he learns their language, and after years of learning their language, he finally gets the opportunity to introduce them to Jesus. And he spent the rest of his life spending, well, he's still alive, he spent the rest of his life just serving those people and translating the Bible for them. And, and in the story, uh, this, this crazy story, he, he's trying to understand how does he explain the Bibles. He's learning this language. And, and the Mortalone Indians had this story uh, this parable or, or an old saying about a, a Modalone Indian who was trying to help ants. And the story went that the ants were struggling because they were always in the jungle, were constantly getting knocked away. So he wanted to help them build a strong house. And so he's trying to mound up the dirt around the, the ants, and the ants were just panicking because here's this person digging around them, and, and they were, were panicking, running away from him. And all of a sudden, the man found himself as an ant. And as an ant, he was able to communicate with the other ants and was telling them, like, hey, I was that Indian. I was, I was the one who was trying to help you. I wasn't trying to kill you. As I was digging up dirt, I was going to make you a strong house. And he got to know them. And as he knew the ants, he all of a sudden found himself back as an Indian. And he helped the ants build this huge home. And the, the, the story is that's why all the, the ant houses or the homes in the jungle look like the Modalone Indian homes. And Bruce heard this story, and he used that story to explain the incarnation to these people, right? That God wanted us to know him, and so he came. And he walked with us, and he walked where he walked, and he lived as a human so that we could know him, and we could follow him. And so we follow Jesus because we've seen him, and he invites us to know him. And so we're not just saying yes and trying to follow some God that we can't relate with or that we can't know, but we are invited into a personal relationship to know Jesus, to know God, and to follow him. Why? Not because... God wanted to help us, although we desperately needed his help. Right? We couldn't follow him on our own. We, we couldn't do it. But he wanted us to know him. And so God became man. And he walked where we walked. And he invites us to follow him. And he walked and lived a perfect life. And he willingly went to the cross for us. And did what we couldn't do so we can spend eternity with him, following him as disciples of him, imitating him. And so these four men are working, fishing, and Jesus comes and says, come, follow me. And they obey. And that invitation is there for us. Come and follow. So the question is, what are we going to do? Are we going to take that first step of obedience? 
Are we going to take that next step of obedience and follow Jesus and be his disciples? Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you that we can know you. We thank you that in spite of our sin, you didn't just stay apart from us, away from us, but you came to us. You became a man, and you walked among us. And you did what we couldn't do. You lived a perfect, sinless life. And you stood in our place on the cross. And Jesus, you invite us into relationship with you. Jesus, may we be your disciples. May we follow you and obey you and do whatever it is that you have called us to do. And may our lives reflect your glory. We ask this in your name. Amen.